Father, we enjoy your word because your word is not just ink on printed page, but your word is a person, a reflection of the identity of God the Father through the Son, continually being revealed by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. So, Father, we ask this day that you will enrich our ears, our hearts, our minds, so that we may be able to receive all what the Father has for his children this day. As we focus on the acts of the Shlachim, the apostles, and not only upon their acts, but also the acts of many other deacons and just ordinary believers as they lived out their life as recorded in the book of Acts. And I know, Father, in the Brit Hadishah, the New Testament, it has no omen or amen at the end. We have that sealed book before us, but the acts of what your people have been doing is also being recorded, Almighty God. One day we'll have to give an account for the things that we've said, the things that we've done, for the furtherance of your kingdom, Almighty God. We thank you, Father, that you know all things, that you have equipped us and you have empowered us so that we could partner with you and build your kingdom upon this earth during the time of our generation for such a time as this. We don't know how long that time period will be, but we rejoice, Almighty Father, that you have a calling on each and every one of our lives, both as individuals and as a corporate body of Messiah. It's our heart's desire to see you accomplish all your good works in and through us. And so, Father, we humbly ask that you pour out your Ruach, your spirit, yet afresh in all believers who are now living at this time. May their hearts and minds be renewed by the word of God. And may the spirit of the living God descend upon them and fill them with the Ruach. That all the gifts of the living God, the living spirit of the living God, will descend upon all God's people. And that we will use these gifts for the glorification and the honor of God the Father, God the Son, Yeshua, and the Ruach HaKodesh. And that the body of Messiah would walk in unity as never before, accomplishing the will of the Father. This is our heart's desire. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Bless the Lord. Acts chapter 12. Continuation of the book of Acts. Just a little background here before we begin this portion. There had been one individual taken. His name was Stephen. He was a deacon. And he died for the glorification of God. And in his death, he proclaimed God's power. 
and the Lord revealed himself to him. He actually saw a vision where Yeshua stood up at the right hand of the Father. And he related that to all those that were there, even those that were persecuting him. We never know in life what life is going to hold for us. That even in death, and if the Lord's will is for some of us to be numbered among the martyrs, that's all the Father's plan. We're not to walk in fear, but to walk in the grace and the provision that God has given us. So let us begin in Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It was around this time that King Herod began arresting and persecuting certain members of the Messianic community. He had Yaakov, Yohanan's brother, James, John's brother, in some translations, state, put to death by the sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Judeans, he went on to arrest Kepha. In some of your translations, it's Peter as well. It was during the days of Matzah. So what time of the year was it? Passover or preparing for the Passover. So when Herod seized him, he threw him into prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers, each with the intention of bringing him to public trial after Pesach. So Kepha was being held under the watch in prison, but intense prayer was being made to God on his behalf by the Messianic community. Notice that when one part of the body is hurting or troubled or going through trials or tribulation, what is the Messianic community to do but to arise and to go into intense prayer? The night before Herod was going to bring him to trial, Kepha was sleeping between two soldiers. When I read that and reread that and reread that, I thought, you know, that had to have been pretty uncomfortable. In today's prisons, if you talk to a prison guard today, they're usually not assigned and, and, and on either side. And sometimes they're, they're in chains also because any movement by that person that's a prisoner, the movement of the chain will absolutely wake up these prison guards if they've fallen asleep. They're not on the outside but they're chained right next to him, one on each side of him, going on. He was bound with chains, and the guards were at the door, keeping watch over the prison. Suddenly, an angel of Adonai stood there, and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Kepha's side and woke him up. Hurry up, get up, he said, and the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and he did. Throw on your robe, and he said, follow me. Going out, Kepha followed him, but did not realize what was happening, though the angel was real. We can suppose here that what Kepha was in a very, very deep sleep, the peace of God was upon him. And think about this. What had recently happened? Stephen had been stoned to death. And Yaakov, James, was beheaded. 
By whose order? But by Herod's order. And so, could you be in a prison and you're shackled on your left and right in between two guards and there's more guards out there, what would you be thinking and things were going through your mind? I thought back to the time when Yohanan the Immerser, after proclaiming the good news for years and causing people to be immersed into the kingdom of God and proclaiming to them that the one who's coming after me I'm unworthy even to untie his sandal. And that was during the time when, when Yeshua called his Talmudim, that Yohanan the Immerser was imprisoned. And what was the outcome? He suffered and he was beheaded. And so the probability here, time and time again, what was the natural occurrence of people's thoughts to be? But here we see Kepha. He's in, the, he's in the presence of the living God, even though he cannot see him. Here he's, he's bound between two guards in a very, very troubling situation. And just think about what possibly else could be going through his mind. What had happened in a prior Pesach, Passover, but his own Lord and Messiah was put to death. So all these things could be going on in his mind. But here he was in complete peace. In knowing whatever God allowed in his life, it was ordained by the Lord. And that he could just enter into this rest and simply sleep. And that kind of shows us in the scripture here that he, was, he, he, he kind of thought, well, is this a dream or a vision? Let's continue in the scripture here. And suddenly an angel of the Lord stood there, and a light shone in the sail. And he tapped Kepha's side and woke him. Hurrying, get up, he said. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And he did. And throw on your robe, he said, and follow me. Think about that. When those chains fell off of him, who was sleeping right next to him? Those two soldiers. And would naturally those chains make a lot of racket? Absolutely. But by God's miracle, we see many miracles here. Have you ever lifted up a chain and dropped it? You can hear that, can't you? Have you ever heard a, train, a chain hit stone and not make a noise? I've never had that situation. Let us move forward here. Put on your clothes and sandals, he said. Throw on your robe, he said, and follow me. Going out, Kepha followed him, but did not realize what was happening. Though the angel was real, he thought he was seeing a vision. Had Kepha seen other visions at other times? Absolutely, he had seen other visions. When he was on the roof of Simon the Tanner's home, the Lord gave him another vision. And so he just saw it. In his mind, well, I'm just seeing another vision. So going forward here, he thought he was seeing a vision. Having passed a first guard, then a second, then he arrived at the iron gate leading to the city. This opened up by itself. Wait a second. Did someone press the remote here? 
there were no remotes. How did that heavy gate, which I believe was probably very, very secured, just open up on its own? Have you ever heard metal gates open? I have, and they usually creak and make all kinds of noise, right? That would be enough to make any of the guards around that area respond to who and what has opened up that gate. So let us continue here. They arrived at the iron gate leading to the city. This opened up to them by itself, and they made their exit. They went down a length of one street, and suddenly the angel left him. Then Kepha came to himself. He finally realizes once the angel leaves, I'm not in a dream. I'm not having a vision here. And he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me from Herod's power and from everything the Judean people were hoping for. What were they hoping for? That his life would be snuffed out and that this, this new messianic community would simply disappear. So let's move forward. Realizing what had happened, he went the house of Miriam, the mother of Yohanan, surname Mark. So now we're introduced to someone different here. This is another Yohanan, but his surname is Mark. Mark is not a Hebrew name. It's a name that is derived from the Greek language. And many Jewish people had both a Hebrew name and a lot of times they would adopt a name from their community that they're living in and from another country. So here we're introduced to someone here that is different. And her name is Miriam. How many Miriams have we read or Marys in the Bible that were part of Yeshua's Talmudi? Many, many, many were there not. Absolutely. I've never done a personal study on all the Miriams and all the Yohanans in the, in the Tanakh or the Brit Hadashah. So going forward, he went to the house of Miriam, the mother of Yohanan, surnamed Mark, where many people had gathered to pray. Notice this, they're not at a synagogue interceding because the people would be hearing the reason why they were praying. And many of them would have been arrested. So where was the only safe place for them to go but to one another's homes? where they could go and spend time interceding and praying. He knocked outside the door, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Kepha's voice and was so happy that she ran back in without opening the door. Have you ever done that? Been so excited about something? You can't think straight? You just run about? You just do this and that? So here she, she, she ran back. And she announced that Kepha was standing outside to everyone that was praying. Just think about it. People are intensely praying. And all of a sudden, a young servant girl runs in there and says, Hey, he's at the door. So what is her reaction? You're out of your mind. Or Meshuganai. You're crazy. But what had they been praying for? For Kepha's release. Let's move forward. 
They said to her, but she insisted, it is true. So they said, it's his angel. Now, some of us may say, well, where did that come from? Remember the time when Yeshua sent his 12 Talmudim on that boat and it crossed the Sea of Galilee? And he said, I'll come to you later. And they went, and then all of a sudden, the wind and the waves came up, did they not? Then all they saw in the distance there was a figure walking towards them. What happened to them at that point? They thought that, in some translations say, that they thought that they saw a ghost. And what does the scripture record? All these 12 mighty men of God, they were all what? They were fearful. They were terrified. And the scripture goes on to say this, that Yeshua calls out to them. And then Kepha says, is that truly you, Yeshua? Yeshua says, yes, is I. He said, permit me then to go to you. What do we know? He steps out of the boat. He starts walking. And he's walking towards Yeshua. Then all of a sudden he starts looking at the winds and the waves. And what happens? He starts to sink. And as it seems as he's about to go underneath the water, who reaches out and grabs him by the hand? And immediately the next second, what happens? Both Kepha and Yeshua are in the boat with the other 11. So let's move forward here. Or it could have been his angel, they said. Meanwhile, Kepha kept knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. It blew their minds. You mean all this time that we've been spending in intense prayer, Adonai has actually answered our prayer? Can you identify? I sure can. Motioning to them with his hand to be quiet. Why? Can you imagine the noise that was going on? Can you imagine the lamps that were lit? And these homes are right next to each other, and the different courtyards, and a commotion that was going on. Because I believe that they were praying intensely, but they were not praying loud and shouting as they were praying. Motioning to them with his hand to be quiet, he told them how the Lord brought him out of prison and said, Tell this to Yaakov and to the brothers. Then he left and went elsewhere. But wait a second. Did it not just record earlier that Yaakov was put to death? James? Yes. But that was another Yaakov, another James. And whose brother was that? That was Yohanan's brother. Okay? And then whose home did, did Kepha go to? But Miriam. Okay? The mother of another Yohanan whose surname is Mark. So who is the Yaakov here? That, that, that Kepha says, now report this to Yaakov. But Yeshua's oldest, younger brother, who appears at this time to, to be the one that, that came to the, to the uh, leadership of the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Messianic community. It wasn't Kepha. It wasn't anyone else. But it was Yaakov. And think about this Yaakov. Prior to this, he was, it's recorded in scripture, that it was during the time of, of, of a celebration, a feast of Adonai, 
And he, was, he came up to his brother and kind of poking at his brother Yeshua said, well, aren't you going down to Jerusalem to celebrate? And he said, no, not at this time. But later he came and went there. You see, this Yaakov, who was the eldest younger brother of Yeshua, he did not come to a saving faith or trust in his older brother until after his death and his resurrection. So let us move forward here. Tell all this to Yaakov and the brothers. Then he left and he went elsewhere. Why? Because Herod, most likely, when they found out what was going to happen, they were going to search for him. And anyone that would appear to have helped him would be arrested and most likely also possibly put to death. So going on in verse 18. When daylight came, there was no small commotion among the soldiers over what had become of Kepha. Think about the two soldiers that were sleeping on his left and his right. Do you think they could come up with an answer? Absolutely not. Verse 19. And Herod had a thorough search made for him. Uzam, but Kepha, Peter. But they failed to find him. So he cross-examined the guards and ordered them put to death. Then Herod went down from Yehuda, Judah, to Caesarea and spent some time there. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Zaor and Zidon. So they joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blatus, the king's chief personal servant, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's lands for their food supply. And who was the king? But King Herod. A day was set, and Herod in his royal robes sat on the throne and made a speech to them. The mob cried out, This is a voice of a god, small g, and not a man. And at once, because Herod did not give Glory to God, an angel of Adonai struck him down. He was eaten away by worms and he died. But what is the outcome of all this? Verse 24. But the word of the Lord went on, growing and being multiplied. And Barnaba, Barnabas, and Shaul, having completed their errand, returned from Jerusalem, bringing with them Yohanan's surname Mark. And what was the errand that they had to do? In the last chapter, there was a prophet of God that spoke to them and said that there's a coming, a famine. And it's going to really uh, affect Jerusalem very, very severely. And so what Shaul and Barnaba, Bar Barnabas went out, they went out to the other parts of the Messianic community in towns and villages, and they raised funds. And they brought it there, and they brought it and they set it at the feet of Yaakov, who was the leader of the Messianic community there in Jerusalem. This ends part one of the Acts of the Emissaries, the Shachim, chapter 12.